So I'm speaking with uh, composer David Schwartz, who is a veteran when it comes to the world of TV scoring. David has done the music for shows like Northern Exposure, uh, The Ellen Show, and uh, he is behind the theme for the HBO series Deadwood. David is also the musical mind behind Arrested Development, which just saw its big return on Netflix. Uh, thanks so much for uh, speaking with me today, David. It's my pleasure. Uh, so to start off, uh, so when did you get involved in music, and you know what does music mean to you personally, and what led to the composing path? Well, I don't know if it was such a chosen path. <laughs> just always played. Since I was a kid, I, I uh, became enamored with the guitar, and then sort of the Beatles, seeing them on television, and sort of went that route. Uh-huh. And uh, <clears throat> uh, at some point in my teens, I switched to bass, and I got to play in all different kinds of bands. Um, you know, the normal kind of rock bands of my time, and... But, you know, I also played in orchestras at school and, and at the New England Conservatory. I was actually a Berkeley student, but there was a, an orchestra that played at the New England Conservatory, the Boston Civic Orchestra. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Berkeley, one of the last things I did there is I took a gig from Chip Jackson, who was a great bass player, who was going out with Buddy Rich, and he asked me if I could cover his other gig, the Glenn Miller Orchestra. Of course, um, Glenn had been departed for a long time, so uh, Buddy DeFranco was running that band, and that was a great, even if I was learning by the seat of my pants, it was an education in, you know, in older swing styles, which have really come in handy, especially lately. And with Northern Exposure, both shows use different sort of versions of that mm-hmm. swing style, frequently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh so, and then composing, um, you know, I'd been a musician for a long time. I started to have my own recording studio. I was recording people. I was producing people. And I was sort of looking at that as my path and trying to become a producer. When a friend of mine who had um, <clears throat> directed, he'd been very successful directing music videos when that was sort of at its peak. And he said he was going to do his own film. And he asked me if I knew anyone who would want to score that. And I couldn't think of anybody. And uh, then my wife, Jody, said it should be me. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, they, they always know better. Uh, All right. So um, <clears throat> so I went back to him and said, yeah, I'd like to do it. And he said, well, now I already got the big guys who are doing it. But, you know, if you write something, I'll listen to it. So I wrote a theme to his movie, which was called Skeeter's Wings. And uh, <clears throat> he loved it. He totally got hooked on it. And... Um, you know, it was a no-budget movie. I think we split the cost of a Roland sampler, which was the main way we got, you know, whatever wasn't live was in that Roland sampler. But there were live instruments, too. And um, he never really finished. It got close, that movie. But he got a directing job um, on something else and couldn't finish that movie. But maybe, well, one thing that happened was I realized this is what I really wanted to do. But now I had absolutely no idea how to do it. <laughs> and, you know, I started sending my reel around to probably hundreds of people with no response. And uh, maybe a year and a half, two years later, I got a call from someone who I had met who had seen DJ's film, Skeeter's Wings, a film that didn't come out. And she said, we're doing this television show. We're not sure. We think it's going to be called North to the Future. Um, we've tried everybody. We don't like any of the music we're hearing. Will you try to write something for it? So I said yes. And um, minutes later, 
a PA from CIA, um, one of the big agencies, I guess it was CIA, showed up, and um, CAA there, didn't sound right, uh, at, with a script, and I, I wrote the next day pretty much the Northern Exposure theme that you hear on, in the air, although it went through a lot of changes and sort of came back to the original concept. But I will say that I didn't think it sounded like a TV theme, so I also wrote something that I thought would sound like a TV theme, which I wish I had it now, but I, my, my memory is sort of, it sounded like a quiz show. <laughs> and I uh, unfortunately played her that first. And Cheryl, I could just see her going like, oh my God, I've wasted my time. Uh, and she said, do you have anything else? And then I played her what was actually my first inspiration. So I like that a lot. And... You know, I was really surprised. She called me a week later because I knew at that point it was my theme and it was up against this great Talking Head song. And uh, so I, I was kind of, you know, wondering if I had a chance. But she called me up and said, yes, we're going to use your theme. And I was really excited. And, and then suddenly I realized she was talking like I was the show's composer, which I wasn't prepared for at all. You know, I just thought it was a little contest of the theme. And, and... I had never done any real scoring except for this, you know, film. So I'd never dealt with uh, the business of it or anything like that. So I said yes, and uh, and then from there I really had to learn every week. Cause every week we would change the music. And Josh Brand, who created the show, and all the other producers had incredibly diverse musical taste. Uh, so I think in the seventh or eighth episode they asked me to pull together an orchestra of 150 people. Uh, wow. I told Josh, in my limited experience, I thought that was too many. <laughs> so, <laughs> we settled on 65, but up until this point, the score had been, you know, like Luis Conte playing percussion, um, Tolak Olstad playing harmonica, me playing bass, Bill Elliott playing some piano and vibes. There have been, you know, like my friends in my garage, and now suddenly I have uh, Sandy DeCrescent and... Um, uh, and the Sony scoring stage and 65 musicians, and uh, somehow I got through that. Um, uh, a lot with the help of my friend Phil Giffen, who was a great orchestrator, and he said, you write themes and I'll come in every night and we'll like make this into something. <laughs> and it was a Western score, and it worked, worked great. And uh, from then on, we would occasionally, it wasn't like a show where it was orchestral, so maybe once or twice a season there would be an episode that used either an entire orchestral score or it might only be a couple of cues. Um, so that was my first job. It started around 93, I think, 1993. And I guess that was still a possibility at that time that they could say, you know, you were doing a short show that didn't have an orchestra. And they could say, well, why don't you get an orchestra for this show? And it was, you know, that was incredible to have that. Wow, I mean, that's a great story. I love it. Um, so, I mean, you, you've done so many TV shows since then, and uh, TV composing is that you know it's a whole different beast than film composing. And I think TV comedy is even probably way more different than you know the one-hour drama and all that. So, what is the musical approach and the goal of music for the half-hour comedy, like the sitcoms that we see every day on TV? Uh, it's a good question. You know. I like to do both drama and comedy, and I'm really happy when I have one of each. Uh -huh. That's not 
always easy to work out with schedules and how that happens. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I like to do that. And, and comedy is is really fun when you have something that you're working on, something dark at the same time. But I, I think the goal is always supporting the story and telling a story. So, you know, whatever that is, if it's making the comedy work, if it's, you know, bringing out elements that aren't on the screen that, you know, maybe the producers or the directors would have liked mm -hmm. or just some other element that I see, you know, um, very often it's supporting the element that you do see. It depends on the people you're working for and how obvious or unobvious they want to be, you know, with right. the rest of development. I mean, Mitch Hurwitz, who is, you know, just one of the smartest and funniest and nicest people you'll ever meet. And I think we have a very, unusual relationship that, uh, you know, I, I can't tell you how great it is for me. And uh, I've done most of his things. Like, one of his concerns is always, well, are we making it too obvious? Which is not something that you hear every day in television production, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, people all, all often want it to be more obvious. So, you know, and sometimes he'll be, you know, to the left of me in that, you know, well, if we say this, well, people think this, and I said, I don't think so. I, I couldn't tell the first five times I watched it, <laughs> but that's, that's the level he likes to work at. And, you know, I've probably said this uh, before and even recently, but I, I try to make it fun, the music fun, without the music being obviously funny. Right, you know? yeah. Um, I don't try to write funny music. I'm sure sometimes it is, and sometimes we go over the top, and, and that's it, but... But if I can make it fun, and I, it's really very much to me about the pace. And when I do a comedy, even though I write a lot of groove-centered stuff, uh, you'll notice the groove stops and starts a lot. And I think that allows for the jokes. And then, you know, depending on how well you're spotting with your producers and directors, you know, and you agree on where, which of the jokes you want to highlight and which of the ones, you know, I rested as a joke a minute, so mm -hmm. I can't. Up or joke a second. <laughs> I can't stop every other second. But, you know, I try to pick, pick the ones that work in there. And, uh, you know, Mitch himself is a great inspiration when I'm doing that kind of comedy. There's obviously, you know, as many different types of drama as there are comedy. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And people have requirements. I mean, there's some people who just want you to fix something that they feel they didn't get, and that's a different type of scoring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, does it does the approach change if it's versus like single camera or multi camera comedy? Does a laugh track uh, when you have you ever have to play with a laugh track and work around that? Well, you know, I used to say that that you know um, that when you do single comedy, your single camera comedy, you're replacing the laugh track. Right. And there's the ones that I had done till that point have so much music, but you know, then came the office and parks and recreation, and you know, shows I don't do, uh, but basically nobody does. There's no score yeah. on them, and that works too. So, you know, you can make a documentary-style single-camera show without music, and it can be, you know, great. I hate to say that, but <laughs> then we have a rest of development. Also, you know, or, or or 30 Rock, two shows which use quite a bit of music. I, I think Arrested use a ton, especially in this fourth season. Uh, I might spot... 50 cues with Mitch and our music editor, Jason Newman. And on the stage, we might add another 30. I, I think we've come up to 100 on a, on what's supposedly a half-hour show. Wow. Um, it, that actually brings up two other points. 
the current Arrested Development, this season, those shows, I think, were averaging 33, 35 minutes. That's a lot longer than a Network 21-minute show. Yeah, absolutely. So it was more interesting, more, more chances to go for longer themes and develop music, but also just a lot more music, which is fun, but obviously... It's a different prospect when you're when you're doing that long. Considering the network drama is 41, 43, you're getting closer to to the length of a drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one other thing I'll add about Arrested Development being very unique, and I've had this in other shows too, so I, I consider it a, a great privilege. But Arrested and some of the other shows I've done, there is no review process in. So we spot, and then I deliver music, and it's final. Wow. And that doesn't mean it doesn't change. Uh, on those shows, the record especially, if any way I can be there schedule-wise, I like to be on the dub stage. So if, if Mitch or myself or somebody doesn't feel it's not working, I like to have a lot of options there. And the options are not usually, it's just usually Jason Newman and myself and Mitch and our memories, well, what else could work here? Because we have thousands of pieces now. And and Mitch likes to edit and add and throw things on. And I think there are composers who might have an issue with that, but I find that he's just so musical that he always makes it better. Mm-hmm. And he'll often at that point turn to me and say, what do you think? Do you want to go back? And you know, sometimes I do. I think, let's just see what it's like back to where it was. And, and he'll usually agree. So to have that kind of relationship, is, I, I think, is, is, is very unique, of course. To treasure it. Well, that's, I mean, that is very unique. I've never even heard that before, so <laughs> that's really cool. Um, so, Arrested... Well, you know, when I do shows, I mean, obviously, most of the stuff that I do, there's a review process, and yeah, yeah. probably if I was a producer, I would want a review process. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, the difference is you're handing somebody, you know, a show in two days, and, you know, it's so hard to make and that they're going to hear, it's really a challenge at that point. You know, whereas at the week, at the end of the week, I have players on it. And that's a difference. Yeah, yeah. And they'll say, and say, well, I can hear it in a demo. But it is harder. It's harder for you and I to hear it in a demo and, and that much harder for people who don't do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, especially things like, you know, all the sort of old jazz stuff, which, you know, I can make demos, but, you know, different you know when you have soloists and you have great players mm-hmm. so i mean arrested development is such a a prized uh, possession for a lot of people it's a, a lot of people just love the show and it has such a huge kind of core fan base um but it did get canceled uh and you guys came back so take me through that point when the show was canceled what is it like getting that news uh knowing everyone including you were stopped in the middle of something just as it was starting to grow i mean how, how did that feel well I could say, I'll say for myself, not for everybody, but it just felt like from almost day one we were being canceled. Yeah. <laughs> I've been on other shows like that, and it just, for some reason, you know, we just didn't feel like we were anybody's darling. Of course, we got, had fans and we knew people loved the show, but it just seemed like the show was always in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. You know, and on the other hand, I'll say it was incredible of Fox to put us up for three years. You know, uh, we didn't have the greatest ratings, you know. But other shows have stayed on through that. You know, I think The Office and Parks started out, well, never got that high, but I think they were great great value to the network that they were on. So 
so, you know, I think at the end of that third season, when we were canceled, we were all pretty exhausted at that point. And, you know, I, there, was always, there was always some talk about bringing it to another network, but that doesn't often happen. But neither does the show come back very often. Yeah. And then, you know, since I've been hearing about it coming back, there were probably, I don't know, I'm guessing, but two years between the t- first time I heard it, you know, from Mitch, a reliable source, <laughs> and, and and actually doing it, you know. So there's a lot of waiting, and, you know, I think a lot of, well, let's say some amount of anxiety on everybody's point part, because there was this feeling, well, you know, how are we going to make a better Arrested Development? And then, you know, once we were in the thick of working, and it's, it is always intense when you're working, suddenly... You're just doing it, you know. You're not yeah. trying to make a better. And I think trying to make a better is maybe not the best way, you know, to approach it. But we have to top ourselves, you know, because that's not the way we did it the first time. Right. And, you know, for me, once I saw even dailies, I started working to dailies because we, you know, we were almost always even with the editing staff. We were working, you know, every waking hour and non-waking hour. So, you know, even in the end, I never had fully locked cuts, but, you know, I just wanted to try to come up with some ideas against dailies. And, and once I saw that I could, you know, I started to feel a little bit more relaxed about it. I knew it would be great. I knew it was funny. And, you know, I, I guess maybe this is just uh, I thought, but, you know, when you have a show when you get a cast like that, and those shows are cast so quickly, you know, that it's a miracle that a cast can come together that's that good. Mm-hmm. You know, and I can talk about my own shows, you know, Northern Exposure or Arrested, or I can talk about, you know, um, The Office, or, and, you know, to get everybody, and for everybody to be that good, it's kind of a miracle. <laughs> yeah. There's way more ways a television show can go wrong than go right. So, you know, when you have that, and mostly when you have, you know, the creative leadership of Mitch Hurwitz and the writing of him and the other writers, it's just always going to be great. You know? And Hopefully. I think, and I, I mean, it is, it is. You guys are doing a fantastic job. And uh, and I think it was a surprise to everyone that it came back through Netflix. And Netflix's approach is really, I think, shaking up the TV model a bit, you know, after House of Cards and and now you guys with the rest of development, the idea of releasing an entire season at once is something entirely new, and people are definitely, I think, loving it. Uh, what are your thoughts on the model? Uh, do you like it? Do you dislike it? Well, as a composer facing a deadline, it, it, it kind of scared the crap because <laughs> <laughs> I know our creative team will go, you know, keep things as long as they can at every stage. You know, if we can keep shooting, keep shooting. If we can keep editing, keep editing. You know. Uh-huh. So, so that means, you know, I did it later and later. And then, you know, we just kept on looking down the road and I said, okay, well, we can take a little more time here, but, you know, what's going to happen to these last five episodes? <laughs> and and we kind of did them in 11 days. And um, I, I found great freedom in that. I, I It may have been my best writing, although, you know, we had to use more cues from older episodes uh-huh. to do it. Then I was just going like, well, you know, failure is really the only option here. We're not going to get it all done to do that much, you know, in 11 days. So just have fun and write the ones that really are going to make a difference and try crazier ideas because, 
you know, we have a lot of other stuff that can just go in there if not. So, so we, we had the luxury of having, you know, a plan B if stuff didn't work. But most of the stuff in those last five days did, and I even wrote a couple of songs in that one, one two-minute song, which didn't, it got edited a lot. It's not the full song that's in there. Um, that's another kind of unique thing about Arrested is that uh, I tend to write, or in this case co-write, um, the great majority of uh, vocal songs in there, mm-hmm. which, you know, really came from Mitch. You know, oh, do we have to have some artist like every other, you know, can't we do it, make up our own show? Can't we, you know, have something called Balls in the Air? <laughs> and then just <laughs> go from that, you know. And so uh, another example of him having trust, because I was not, you know, a known entity as a songwriter. Uh, and uh, I wrote, most of the songs have a co-writer, a few I, I wrote myself. That, you know, they're usually written in one night, sometimes two or three songs. Um, Gabriel Mann, uh, who used to work for me and now is a uh, composer in his own right, Modern Family, he's doing a bunch of shows, yeah, yeah. very successful. And, uh, and we get together and write songs. And, um, you know, I usually tell him to come in as late as night as he can because I've got to write score all day. And then I'm hoping he's going to come in and give me a burst of energy <laughs> and we're going to get through another four or five hours. Uh, and it works. Um, I've never had uh, a songwriting partnership like that. I, I can write with other people and get great results, but Gabe and I are just really fast. And we're kind of uh, ruthless to each other. <laughs> it's just like, I don't think anyone ever gets offended. Just, no, that sucks. Let's not do that and move on and, uh-huh. and, and do stuff. And uh, And the fact that he can sing and make his voice into almost any style in any accent, um, you know, is a great help too, because the recording and the writing and the mixing and everything is happening on that same night. Usually it's the night before I have my session. So, you know, uh, and almost always George Daring is playing guitar, um, if available. And so, you know, we'll leave all the great guitar parts for George and, you know, if there's horns or strings, that happens on the next day. But we try to write a song or a number of songs that night. Uh, our biggest frustration is not being able to finish them. <laughs> you know, we, if we get a minute and, you know, it calls for 45 seconds, um, you know, a couple of times we've wanted to power on and finished, you know, made a three-minute song. But, you know, obviously, that's a much more... Uh, challenging task and it takes a lot more time and you know a couple of times either for the show or for our own you know we've come back to finish the song we're we're talking about that for the soundtrack release uh you know how many songs we can release and can we even get you know those sounds back or get uh in that mood again to write that song Mm -hmm. we haven't really tried much of that we just did one for the last episode and that worked so we have set a precedent. <laughs> well, it's good to hear. And what, what was going back for six years? Uh, you know, if we're talking to composers out there who deal with technology, uh, I imagine, like me, a lot of you, your, your systems have totally changed. And um, going back and trying to get my sounds back up from old Giga Studios that haven't been turned on in six years, and just you know, just opening the files. Sometimes they wouldn't open. But I was lucky the majority of the time, and usually we could find some way to get back to an old file if we needed it. This is taking an old queue and, and building onto it. Yeah, yeah. 
with we all swore when 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 Mitch first started talking about it, we said, Well we're not gonna do that. But then I wanted to do it and he wanted to do it. You know? <laughs> um uh, you know, he'd say, Oh, can we play this cue? I I love it and I'd listen to it and I'd go like, Yeah, but if I was doing it now, you know, I would change that bass sound and, and I would use real drops on this. So you know, we'd go back and, and do it when we could. That's such, I mean, that's cool. I mean, I, that's a, I love that process and hearing you talk about that. It's really awesome. Um, but to, to wrap up, uh, I always like to ask composers uh, this one question. If you could score any film ever made with no disrespect to the original composer, uh, which film would you choose? Or even what TV show would you choose? Uh, that is a really good uh, one. Um it's hard because if I like the film, I have to have liked the score that went with it. Absolutely. I can't think of an example, you know, where I go, um, um, boy, that was a great film and score sucked and I wish I had done it. Well, that's not the, that's not part of the question. I think it's more. I know what you're saying. <laughs> I guess my mind doesn't work that way. Um, uh, you know, I've been just thinking, and I, and I don't get to do this very often. I just want to do things of great musical beauty. And, you know, people call me either to do devil shows or comedy mm-hmm. or westerns. Um, I don't usually work with doctors or lawyers on screen. Uh, I'll, I'll say uh, Little Miss Sunshine, who the directors are friends of mine. Um, yeah, I wish I had done it, but I think uh, the score is fantastic on that. I love the yeah, I love so the then, then then I have to unwish it, but uh, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a great fun. answer. That's a great I, answer. I, I do like where where comedy and drama meet together, you know. So so ones that do it and do it in, in a way that both work can be fantastic, and you know, that doesn't happen very often, and uh, they're not usually popular with um, studios and networks to make those because they never know how to market market them. But I think when that happens, I like that. I know I'm sort of skirting your question here oh no, no i don't have I, <laughs> I totally agree with you because i feel like that's the most re- co- like a comedy and drama when it blends well i think it's the most the best reflection of what real life is because i feel like when you interact with right. your friends and stuff that's what it is it's funny drama <laughs> right but, you, you make the jokes and then the drama comes yep <laughs> or the other way <laughs> if i'm working on a scary thing for months and months and months you know, it affects, it affects your mood. It really does, you know, you leave the studio, you're kind of freaked out. You know? <laughs> and uh, I know there are people who just love doing that all the time. I, I, I like variety. <laughs> I do too. Um, well, David, thank you so much uh, for your time. It was a great pleasure to talk to you and uh, fascinating to hear your process. Uh, so uh, thank you so much, and hopefully we get to do it again in the future. <laughs>